This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, see How you doing, girl? You know what I'm doing? It's summertime, McKemini. It's summertime. You know, we, we usually have these summertime moments because we, we appreciate Listen. a good summertime. Listen, okay. we don't play about summertime. <laughs> okay. That's right. Listen, That's right. Listen. It's a it's a it's a lukewarm girl summer right here. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Not a lukewarm girl summer. Not a lukewarm girl. Look, it's oh, a it's a vaccine girl summer. How about that? It's a va- it's a vaccination. No, summer. but on the real, it's a cicada summer. Okay, that's what it is. Where you are. And I'm I haven't tired. seen a cicada. I hadn't seen one. I hadn't seen one. Don't bring them here. Listen, I made the mistake of opening up my window. You know, it was like a nice summer day. You know, you didn't need the AC, you know, um, trying to conserve my gas. And do you know, a cicada flew on my arm. I almost, thank God there was nobody around. I didn't crash my car, but whew, I was shook. I was shook. I was shook. Stretch your hands toward, <laughs> toward the East Coast. Listen, no, one, no one who has listened to two minutes of Truth's Table is, is shocked by the story that you said. <laughs> They're like, we can visualize a Kimini fighting, fighting, fighting the bug in her car right now. I was shook up. You know, you know, I collected them as a child. I've got a completely different, you know, I used to have bugs in my room and, you know, I believe it is what it is. But but, but with that being said, I don't want them to come to where I am. I don't don't want them here. They can stay in the ground. They They can marinate in the ground. Ooh, I can't wait till they're gone. Till they're gone. They ain't going to be here. I think, I think it's end of June and then then we're free. We are free. Give us our free. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm anyway. So, I'm not. Okay. So, it's a weekly Very important. Very impactful movie and better real story in real life. Carry on. Right. Correct. <laughs> um, so, anyway, y'all, Michelle's not at the table. So, y'all know that means that we have a Black Girl Magic interview. Cue the charms. And I am so excited. We actually are going to need some real charms at some point. They do, no, they, they, they do put in charms. It's, they we don't, do. I have not we don't have a force fun. We don't have a force fun theme song. But maybe the artist at the table. Listen, listen, listen. Maybe the artist at the table can give us a force fun <laughs> We'll, we'll start to feel a stirring in her spirit right now. Let's see how the interview goes. Let's see how the interview goes. Let's see how she feels. <laughs> I, I will start beatboxing and you go on here and give us our. Oh my gosh, we are cutting up. All right, all right, all right. All right. Without further ado, without further ado, this is at the table with us. It's Natalie Lauren Sims. Welcome to the table, Natalie. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Y'all cutting up real early, right when it started. Right. I know we no even got into nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be ready. You gotta be ready at the table. You gotta be ready. Yeah, so- yeah. I'm happy to be <laughs> at the table. So- I'm happy. Yay! 
we're happy to have you. We are happy to have you. And you know what, sisters, just in case you don't know who Natalie Lauren Sims is, let me tell you a little something about her. Art is where we wander until our voice finds us. And like all truth, it finds us eventually. As stubborn as a sunrise, arriving to set the captives of darkness free, Natalie Lauren's work is the art of liberation. In the spirit of unrelenting audacity inherited from her hometown, the same womb that birthed Black Wall Street, Natalie Lauren is a multi-sensory storyteller. Advocating for untold stories of Black women is a burden too significant to be restricted to one medium. So Natalie has set out to master a mixed media form of storytelling, utilizing songwriting, painting, and creative direction. Her heart is a homage created to disrupt the silence and a monolithic identity seeking to oppress Black women into a digestible narrative for everyone else but themselves. Natalie aimed to curate a safe space for Black women to explore the fullness of their humanity found in radical being instead of consistent doing. Welcome to the table, Natalie. Yes, to all of that. <laughs> hey, hey, so, hey, hey, tambourine at the end. Somebody sit down. Hey. I was like, I feel my health. It's always so awkward when somebody's reading the bio. It's like, you know, because somebody else had definitely crafted that. So, oh, well, you know, honestly, it was the most poetic. It was the most poetic. No, no, I'm saying, you know how you send in your points? You send your points in, but you know, they make it, they clean it up and make it professional because mine would have been like, I'm black and I do creative stuff. That is it. That would have been enough. You know why? Because being black is enough. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No. It was, it was so, I was like, oh, this is a very artistic bio. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Natalie. Man, you know, our first question, you are a Black Girl Magic guest. It is Black His, it is uh, um, um, Black Music Month, although every month is Black History Month, at true story. Okay. But it's Black, (laughs) exactly, Black (laughs) History Month. It's Black Music Month, and so we're like, it is only right to bring Natalie Lauren V. Sims to the table. And I want to know from you, the first question I have for you is, talk to us about your your faith, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, because sometimes there is a sense in which uh, we Mm -hmm. we can um, have a bit of a simplistic view of our gifts, of our callings, mm-hmm. of our passions, mm-hmm. and that maybe we should only be taking one particular mm-hmm. path. Um, so can you talk to us just about yeah. how you came to faith in Christ and what that looked like? Yeah, I, I believe it It happened in phases, um, but I had a very supernatural experience around maybe 14. Um, I was in like this, I was just wilding out and I was playing sports and my coach was like, you I know, understand. At the time, he was my uncle. He's like, you need to come to church. And I'm like, fine. I want to play basketball. I'm going to come to church. Around the same time, I started developing these tumors in both of my breasts, and they they were found randomly. And mm. so um, that disrupted me being able to play ball. And so here I am at, the, at this church. My cousins are there with me, and this mm. pastor gets up and preaches about healing. And I don't know much about Jesus, although I've been to right. you know church services on holidays with my mom and we have a long history of, you know, family ministers, but I don't think I knew, you know, I had no real in-depth understanding. Um, and so he preaches about healing and it's like, all you have to do is pray (laughs) and you will be healed. (laughs) And it was like, okay. So Mm -hmm. I go home. I'm like, all right, God, if you are real, then heal me, you know, prove it. Um, two days later, maybe three days later, I go in for a pre-op. 
and me and my mom are on the elevator. Um, she feels to see, you know, how the tumors were doing. All of them were gone. Mm-hmm. And these were tumors big enough that you could kind of pull off of my chest. Um, and my she like goodness. has this moment where she, you know, basically faints in the elevator. And we go to the doctor. And the doctor's like, wow. you know, this has never happened. The tumors are gone. And at that point, it just uh, a, a radical um, change happened in my life a- across the board. Um, not just in my body, obviously I was, you know, miraculously healed. Um, mm-hmm. but also I was made aware of now like this need, my posture towards God changed, even though I didn't have fullness of understanding. It was just like, I need to sure. know whoever did this. I need to know what, what's going on. Um, and right. so I was, yeah, I dove in head first and became one of those like mm-hmm. young, Oh, this is Bible toting, smacking everybody around the head at school, just like extreme, <laughs> uh, devout believer. Like, yeah. And so I grew up in a Baptist church, uh, but I'm also from Oklahoma. So it's a merging, merge, like Kojic. Some of my family Kojic, some of my family is Baptist. So it's sure. like prayer service. We, it was just like, we was thick in there. And so, you know, over the years, my understanding, uh, broadened. As I got a, a bit older and then my one of my best friends and business partner, KB, was actually in seminary. And so I think that's a major point where he started to read. And, you know, yeah. at the time we were both going to like Paula White's church in Florida. And just our understanding of faith was, mm-hmm. you know, a little different. And so as KB sure. went to the seminary, he's like, yo, I think we got this wrong. And so then he would be sharing with me, like, hey, have you ever heard of this? I'm like, what? No. And so um, then finally, once I moved to Atlanta, Jono and his wife, Chandra, really took me in under their wings and really Mm. just really gave me a more tangible understanding of God and and how how God and Christ should look through all aspects of my life. Um, And yeah, so yeah, that's that's my little journey. Mm, the faith. So, it, it, that, ain't hey, a little better. It's ever <laughs> shaping. It's ever shaping. Yeah, it's it's shaping. It's a, it's, yes. it's it changes shape every now and then. Yes, but I'm okay. That's, sure. that's an amazing testimony. Yeah. I was. I mean, I, I could see in my mind's eye like your your mother just falling <laughs> back in that elevator, and just obviously your healing. But oh, what yeah. it means for a parent yeah. to to be caught into that yeah. to see their child hit hit before their eyes, and just kind of the faith boost. Oh yeah, um, that that cultivates, and at this at the same time too, um, <laughs> you were talking about you know Paula yeah. White and, and all the things you know. Look, we are where we are, and I'm yep. so glad that God's grace is not inhibited by the limitations of our yes. theology, <laughs> whatever yes. that might be, because we yeah. all find out a lots of revelation one day. Um, yeah, but but I am curious to have to have such a profound um, healing story and story that kind of opened your eyes to the awesomeness and power of God. I can see how that story can, can be a blessing to you, but I wonder if that's, that can also be a burden to you. Um, Mm. That kind of miraculous healing. um, Because as I was listening, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about what happens when God don't show up in the future, you know, (laughs) or, or shows up, but shows up in a way that's like, that ain't how I wanted you to show up. Yeah. So talk us through that because that's pretty profound. Yeah. So, um, I think on one side, the blessing of it is like the moments that I have just questioned God and just been like, I'm not really dealing with you right now. That that moment of healing is forever <laughs> etched in my mm-hmm. my spirit. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. shake it. So even when the questions are unanswered, that moment is there. 
it does not require an answer. Yes. It's like, oh, but this moment. All right. So don't forget about that. However, I think on the flip side, God has kind of given me, allowed me to have a life that has been filled with a lot of suffering in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that to say like my family history, health history is like um, lots of death around cancer and mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so I have had my fair share of up close and personal walking my aunt, walking my grandmother, walking my family uh, through, you know, mm-hmm. death, through suicide, through bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad and my stepmom are both recovering addicts. Um, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think more than anything, I have experienced when you not healed, right? I, I, I don't have, mm-hmm. my story feels like the exception to the rule, right? Um, and right. so I honestly think sometimes I'm not even able to cling to my story in the ways that I wish I could, because that's Mm. not true for the majority of people that I know. I'm like one in a hundred. And so, you know, yeah, when I think about it like that, sometimes I'm not clinging to that story because I I don't know it to be true be outside Mm -hmm. of myself and maybe a handful of other stories. But I think also it created a space for healing to be much more than actually literal physical healing. So I think I mm-hmm. cling to that probably a little more. I'm trying to find a balance in that. Because I also feel like in our culture here in yeah. Oklahoma, it's a lot of preaching on like the promises that come after this life and this life is just crap. And you need to wait for the promises. You know what I mean? Like there are actually no earthly promises. You just need to wait. And I and I kind of push against that. So Oh yeah, we can have I some just, of those blessings now. They overflowing. Cup is running over right now. <laughs> this week, yeah. Today, so, today. Um, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but I don't think I've had the feeling of it being burdensome because I just hmm. that story is. I haven't shared it too. Like I haven't shared that a lot with people around. You know, wow. when I was younger, I did, but as an adult, mm-hmm. it's still very. Sacred. I don't know. It's a very sacred thing to me. I don't know. It just feels like my story. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, and not that God can't yeah. use it, but yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing it with us because it it did sound very sacred. It sounded like it was something that God did. Um, well, well, God did just do this just for you. <laughs> yes, but but it, it just it feels like you know you know how you talk about how you don't cling to the story too much, but the the story clings to you. Right. Because God created, did that um, for you. Almost like a signpost. Like, okay. Yeah. God, when you're like, I ain't fooling with you guys. Like, but hold on. Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, I'm real. I'm here. Yes, I love you. Absolutely. I'm with you. Right. I'm for you. Not going to leave you. You know, cause mm-hmm. we need those reminders. Mm-hmm. I know I, I be needing those reminders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those, those faith, those faith anchors. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, Natalie, mm-hmm. you talked mm-hmm. about how your family history, you know, there's been suffering, right. And, 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 um, you know, through death mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of other, uh, sufferings that you, you, you and your family have gone through. I'm curious about, um, just mm-hmm. your own family history, your own, if, if your family has any literal connections to the Tulsa massacre, and if you don't mind mm-hmm. sharing your own connection with that, and even if you don't have connections, what it means to be back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is your place of birth. Yeah. So um, right now we are in the middle of doing a citywide, um, really, you know, 
nationwide descendants survey right. and test to really figure out who the survivors are. Like right now, we've announced three survivors, okay. but there are actually about six survivors. We've been finding survivors for the last two weeks as it's been globally wow. announced and it's been highlighted. And so um, the city, you know, everybody's kind of going through the system to figure out if they're descendant or not. So at this point, I don't think we are, but we mm-hmm. also are in the process of taking the surveys and tests. Okay. Um, and, and just to be back home, you know, it, it's, it's an honor. I don't think when I was younger, I knew that it mattered um, because honestly, so many of us were shielded from the history of this city. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a lot of us were really out of this city that we found out what actually happened. Um, and not just yeah. what happened to us, but who we were before the fires. Because I think a lot of times the story of Black Wall Street hmm. in Tulsa starts May 31st with the fires. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. Like the, the legacy of Tulsa right. and you know, Tulsi town and the townships and, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Oklahoma oil rush and, you know, um, OW girly and all the people that came before the fire. It's like, you know, the story starts before then. And so I think for me, yes, one of the things that I have taken away from just being home during this time, we're in our centennial year of commemoration for the 1921 Tulsa massacre. Sure. Um, is that we really have to control our narratives in a way that is not passive. And I think the personal responsibility of that is on my shoulders more than ever, because I think there are other artistic Mm. outlets and expressions that are funner, that are easier, that are more lucrative than me using my platform and my work right now to highlight what's happening. But, but I realized like, there's no greater work than this right now for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I've, mm-hmm. since I've been home, I have felt a call, like a different type of urgency, a different type of calling to the work of this city that is not fancy or like, it's not streamed. Like, even though my personal work is streamed, oh, yeah. it's like the work that's actually changing the city and the fight. Don't nobody know what's happening. You know what I'm saying? I live on the North side of Tulsa. There, there's one grocery store within a, you know, 20 minutes um, I'm in a food oh, desert. It, mm-hmm. It's a hot mess out here. Um, it mm-hmm. is not Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. It is not the Greenwood of old. And so, you know, to create space for my nieces and nephews and my family, you know, I just think my priorities cannot be tied to profit all the time. Mm-hmm. And they cannot be tied to popularity. Um, I think for me, it's like, God, what is the work for me That's here. It. And I think not only is it rebuilding, but it's also being a bridge for healing because that language of healing in this space is re- very much uh, the church, but it doesn't, re- the church is not being the bridge for citywide healing. So when I say healing, mm-hmm. I'm saying like even people needing to go through therapy, people needing to uh, grieve, people needing to mourn yes. something that yes. they just now finding out happened right now and they're freaking out. Or, you know, my grandmother, she refuses to talk about anything remotely yeah. close to that time. Yeah. Um, yes. Just to be a bridge for that and to be a voice for it. So I don't know. It's, I feel more privileged to be home than, yeah, I just feel like it's been a blessing. It has changed my life. I've been here for a year and I came home last year. My Both my parents were really sick mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's, Mm. It was everything I needed it to be. Um, yeah. Mm. So I'm happy to be here and I'm happy the world is peering in. But, you know, people are also monetizing the trauma of, of this story. 
and um, commercializing Absolutely. it in a way that's that's a hot mess. So you know, a lot of us mm. are fighting that, fighting the the commercialized narrative that's happening in the city as well. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, well, kind of a. Yeah. As you mentioned, kind of that fierce need to to control the story, right? To be the gatekeeper of the storytelling yeah. um, that that concerns you, right? One of the things that you said, Natalie, you mentioned that mm-hmm. um, it, the the story of you know the Tulsa massacre is not something that you necessarily grew up knowing, and um, and it took mm-hmm. you to kind of leave from the location and come back to really grasp more of it. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. you look back, kind of retrospectively, can you? Can you see like some of the, not literal, but like the metaphorical ghost of of that massacre uh, in Tulsa, and um, yeah, the the residue, really the blood mm-hmm. crying out. I mean, how how is that expressed um, as now that you have this understanding and now that you're applying kind of the creative arts to talking more mm-hmm. about it and, and giving honor where honor is due. What would you say now that you can see and notice that now makes more sense to you um, that you didn't have necessarily the language or the history for when you were younger, for example? Yeah. So I think on one literal sense, I'm not even getting weird. And I try to like find that line where things feel uh-huh. a bit mystical, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I cannot explain the way that I feel... Um, it's not audible, right? I'm not saying somebody is audibly speaking to me, but I am saying my mind and my my attention are, is, are being drawn to things, to landmarks that are then discovered to be, a, where this is where Miss May's thing was and it burned mm. down. And it's like, why do I keep coming to this field? And it's like, well, you know, mm. this is actually where this landmark was. Um, so there are actually places in this city that I think literal cry cries out in, in different ways. Um, if you're open mm-hmm. to hearing and receiving and if you believe mm-hmm. that way, mm-hmm. um, the power struggle in the city is so spiritual. It's, um, to know that, you know, the national guard, the police department, the city burnt down Greenwood, not just a white mob, the city, the city right? So to fight that, um, to then come into the city and say, well, man, why black people can't get ahead? You know, like some of the little cliche things you hear about little country mm-hmm. town, black people mm-hmm. can't never get ahead. It's like, oh no, this city is designed to oppress yeah. people of mm-hmm. color, black people and the Native American community, Absolutely. which I'm also a part of. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, now the remnants, of, you know, there's not one building owned in Greenwood owned by a black person. They have a 99 year, 99 cents lease on Greenwood Culture Center. 99 years for, at 99 cents a year. So the level of control wow. is is what you feel. That is the <laughs> residue of Black Wall Street. It's the residue of control. We would rather let you have this for another 100 years at 99 cents than let you buy it, than let you own it, than let you actually have power to give it, to extend some type of inheritance or generational wealth to anybody else in your family or community. And so the residue of, of it is control. Um, and people in, in the black community, 
the the small embers of hope, they just do not exist. I'm talking like you have to literally remind people of who they are. Like my family, I'm like, they are brilliant. And I'm like, yo, listen, you are great. You can do this right, business. Right. You can you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. Um, and I think because I've moved away and I lived in Atlanta, there's just a different Absolutely. type of confidence around business. Um, but here, the people, the the natives here, because there's a lot of people who have moved here. Uh, the natives here are tired. You know, mm-hmm. 100 years, no reparations, no justice, um, no economic development. Um, yes. Folks tired. Folks are tired. It's like 1921 still. Spiritually, it is very much 1921. The city has not changed in that way. Um, There's still a dividing line. It's a stronghold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. And my godmom is the president of the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce. And a lot of times I'm talking to her and she's in tears. Her and the councilwoman, Vanessa Hill Harper. And uh, they're just like, she's like, I got to pray. Like she, like sometimes she's like strategy, strategy, strategy. And she's like, I got to fast. I got to pray. Uh-uh. I don't got time for this. I got to go fast. I got to go pray. And it's like, she knows like, this is not one sure. in the natural. Like I mm-hmm. very strongly believe that. And I think it wasn't until I got home that I re that I embraced even that language because also in the space that I was in, yeah. you don't, you don't talk about no spiritual warfare. You don't talk about none of that. You just... It's a, it was a clean cut. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying, I think just the community that I was in at large, everybody has different experiences around, I don't know, what I guess what they would call charismatic sure. beliefs. And I don't know. But when I got home, it was like, nah, I need all the prayer vigils. <laughs> I need all the oils. What, what we doing? We tarrying? Well, let's go. Like, Everything. I need Toast. all of it. Let's listen, <laughs> listen. Yes. So... <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Bring them. Bring them. We, we, we believe in spiritual warfare at yeah. truth's table. Okay, that's real. That's real. Listen, and I sometimes I'll go as far as to say territorial spirit spirits. Yes, yeah, and I'll listen. This it's not a game. It's not a game. Absolutely, you are absolutely correct when you say Tulsa is back in 1921 in the spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. strong. That stronghold has not been broken off yet, mm-hmm. and it's a microcosm of our plight here. Um, um, as black people in America. Yeah. Yeah. We ain't new to this, you know, um, sadly we're true to this and have, <laughs> have been, and will continue to be right. <sighs> Until, you know, yeah. But you know what? You would it's think really that with some of the <laughs> largest movements coming through here, at least Christian movements, like you got the Azusa revival back in the day, Carlton Pearson, like, you know, pre right, right. newer adopted belief system mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like to sure, have sure. such larger, spiritual awakenings in a space, but those awakenings not connect to what is actually happening on the political justice, economical front. It's just a disconnect. I'm like, how this thing is disconnected. You know, you can't be raising all this money, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having all of these spiritual movements in this city and and just not address what's actually happening on the justice front. It's just crap. Right. It, it don't make no sense to me. Um, and I think yes. some, some of our people didn't know straight mm. up and down. They knew what they knew. And so I'm not making them responsible for that, but I'm saying there has to be a level sure. of accountability somewhere. Um, 
when we have these sure. great awakenings and, and no change that is tangible to the people in the city. It's just, I don't get it. Yes. Yes. Now that, now that you know, you know, and so, and, and, and perhaps it seems like God sent you there for such a time as this. So let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to talk more about your art and all of the things. So y'all don't go nowhere. Keep it locked. We will be right back. Sisters, y'all know how seriously we take spiritual formation here at Truth's Table, which is why we're honored to share with you this new resource, Soul Care in African American Practice by Barbara L. Peacock. If you've yearned for a more culturally authentic experience of spiritual transformation in your life and community, the book Soul Care in African American Practice will help you grow in new yet timeless ways. Spiritual director and pastor Barbara Peacock illustrates a journey of prayer, spiritual direction, and soul care from an African-American perspective. She reflects on how these disciplines are woven into the African-American culture and lived out in the rich heritage of its faith community. Using examples of significant men and women like Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Renita Weems, Harold Carter, Barbara's book offers us the opportunity to engage in practices of soul care as we learn from these spiritual leaders. This book also won a 2021 Christianity Today Award of Merit in Spiritual Formation. And now, Truth Table listeners can save 30% off of soul care in African-American practice when you order at ivpress.com using promo code TRUTH21. That's promo code TRUTH21 when you order at ivpress.com. This offer expires September 30th, so y'all make sure you use promo code Truth 21 when you order ivpress.com. Go ahead and buy Soul Care in African American practice today. See, you know what I'm grateful for? Girl, what you grateful for? I am grateful for our Patreon supporters. Oh, for sure. For sure. We could not do the work of Truth Table without our Patreon supporters. Tell the truth. We want to thank y'all because without your dollars, we wouldn't be able to pay our producers, our now video editor, because y'all know you can get some video content from Truth Table now when we try to step it up. Hello, Patreon I people. I mean, come on. And we couldn't pay our teachers that come and teach our um, Black women discipleship group. So we want to thank y'all for being Patreon supporters. So many things we're able to do because you decided to partner with us. And we just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for rolling with us since the beginning and invite you all that are listening at the table or standing room only to come on and participate in the work that we're doing by becoming a Patreon sponsor. Yes, for as little as $5 a month. That is less than Starbucks coffee. It's less than DoorDash. It's less than Uber Eats. Come on now. You can support. We know about these things personally. We know about these things. (laughs) COVID-19, COVID-19. We're speaking from a personal place. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Testify. So for as little as $5 a month, y'all can support the work of Truth's Table and just keep this table going. Sustain our work. This is a labor of love and we are so grateful to be at this table. So our standing room section folk, come on and support us. Our sisters at the table, come on and support our work at patreon.com slash truthstable. And... We are back here at the table with Natalie Lauren Sims. My goodness, we have been talking about all the things. God's miraculous healing. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. Hello. Okay. We've been talking about, well, we're about to talk more about systemic racism. We always talk about that here at Truth Table. And just the gifts that Natalie has. So anyway, 
Look, Natalie, my mind is still stuck like some, some minutes ago, some days yeah. ago when uh, yeah. you, you were talking about mm-hmm. uh, really kind of the outworkings of this massacre, mm-hmm. um, this, this lease, this 99 cents, 99 year lease. I, yeah. I would love our listeners yeah. to hear you talk about that some more only because, you know, when a tragedy happens, right? And, mm-hmm. and tragedy and injustice happens to all people throughout time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about systemic racism, we're not talking just about the tragedy, which is awful and terrible and grievous. But we're also talking about the legs that it has that lives mm-hmm. out in yes. policies mm-hmm. and laws and practices. And so yeah. can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So right now, um, technically, the Greenwood historical Black Wall Street area is three blocks. Right. And it was originally 35 to 40 blocks. Right. So system- systemically right now, we are only able to claim three blocks that were once 35 to 40 blocks, because as we talk about this idea of reparations and we talk about it in a tangible form, what we have requested back was give us back our original 35 yes. to 40 blocks, not necessarily in ownership, but allow the taxes and the tariffs that happen within this 35 block to 40 block mm-hmm. radius to pour back into the Greenwood district in the north side of Tulsa. And so we're not saying give us our buildings back, give us the street names, call it black. We're not asking for none of that. We're saying the way that y'all can do reparations right now within the city on the physical land is allow these 35 blacks to be called the original Black Wall Street, which they were. They were stolen, right? Mm-hmm. At, during the reconstruction of Black Wall Street. And Give them back and allow the tax and tariff support back into the community. So one of the buildings that are on that that is located on within the three blocks is the Greenwood Culture Center, which you see in Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. That building uh, is under right. a ninety nine year ninety nine cents lease. Um, now, don't get me wrong; there have been some changes of the guards, right, on who's handling the building, okay. and maybe some people was doing some bootleg stuff. I think beyond that, what we know is that this city is not interested in giving us um, ownership of anything or the power to make our own decisions. Um, Because even now, you know, there's a baseball field that sits in the middle of Greenwood and none of the taxes from that field. And and the economic development in the city is called tourist development around our story. But the tourist dollars do not go back into the North North Tulsa community, which is the primarily black community. So y'all making money off of the demise and the destruction and the massacre mm. of a black community in the name of tourism and not funding anything, not our schools, not our parks, not uh, the churches, none of that. And so, you know, th- it is systemic. It- it's wow. like across the board, when you have a commission built around a 1921 commemoration who raises $30 million and refuses to give funding to the known survivors, um, how do you raise $30 million on the backs of survivors and descendants, but you don't want to give them a dime? It is just, it's a mess. So, um, what we're dealing with here is wow. systemic. And, um, yeah, it, it just changed the game for me. It's less about, it's me now understanding politics and me asking more questions and, and understanding legislation and, and how do I, now how do I move with power? Because it's enough for me to have my songs. My song is gonna have legs yeah. to bring awareness, but the song ain't changing no no bills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know that is a responsibility that I have taken right. up um, right. to understand who runs the city, how's it working, who are the lawmakers, and what can I do while I'm here. So it's a high mess. 
But people are here working. My they on the ground. Family. They it's it, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. remnant of people, and they are yes. about that life. So yeah, and that's that's it. That's what you need. You just you need that that remnant with the building that black political power, mm-hmm. um, increasing that political education, which is really what you're you're talking about. Yeah, um, there too. Who runs this city? How do I get policies and bills through? You yeah. know, and um, and and all on all fronts, right? So you even mentioned uh, your music, and yes, you're right. This ain't gonna pass no bills, but it does bring awareness. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it, it is, um, it is informative for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about your. Um, this is not a celebration. I mm-hmm. love the way um, you, which you just re- re- released um, in time for the Kem- the Kem- the Tulsa um, massacre uh, commemoration, and mm-hmm. so I love the way that. Um, you reframe what is happening because reclamation, there's power in reclamation. And so you're reframing and taking away the narrative, the celebratory narrative, Mm -hmm. right? From Mm -hmm. liberals and dare I say black liberals too, you know, who can be implicated as well, you know, who want to, you know, have their their little celebrations and things, but they're really divorced from the people there in Tulsa. Can you talk to us about, this is not a celebration um, what, uh, in what, you know, what, what made you go, you know, what, I'm going to write this song and I'm going to create this song. Cause you know, it was, you're right. It caught, co- it costs you something. I, I would imagine to write a song like that, yeah. um, and to do a video, uh, for a song like that, because profits don't get on the payroll. Ask me how Listen, it no, that, was, so, that was out my pocket. That was all funded. You know, so, you know yeah, that was thousands of dollars out my pocket. Nobody was nobody didn't give me no budget for that. That was just like I yeah. Didn't talk to us about this. Um, so my brother, he's a photographer, lives yeah. in Houston. His name is Brian Ellison. We have been going back and forth about you know what will our work be, and so the project is much larger than that. Mm-hmm. That song, it's a photographic series and um, just an artistic okay. lament too. I think for us, we just kept feeling like. How are y'all calling this a celebration? Like what? Like we are not celebrating. Anybody that's actually in Tulsa, there's no level of celebration happening. People are weeping. People yeah. are yeah. Um, fighting for justice. And so the idea of commemorating the legacy of Tulsa kind of got lost in this celebratory nature. And like, it's like, this is a concert. This is a festival. Mm-hmm. This is a um, a party and an honor. And we're triumphed over racism. It's like, no, we have not. We don't have no land. We don't have reparations. Mm-hmm. We don't have justice, you know, no. um, Come on. on any level, right? You know, Terrence Crutcher was shot and killed in the back 2016 with his hands up, right? There's no justice. Right. This, right. this is, yes. we're not celebrating. Yes. And so me and my brother just started to think through, you know, what could we do? And so this is not a celebration kept coming to our minds. And so, you know, I just sat and listened for for the song. Just just listen and and I literally sat hmm. and listened. And um I finished the song the day after the survivors gave their account on um they shared about the massacre at the um committee at the house yeah. and um yes. I just wept the whole time because it was just like how are you 106 begging somebody for anything? And I'm not saying their posture was begging, but you, why, why are you 106 asking anybody for anything? I'd be daggone if my grandmother mm. going to sit in front of somebody and ask, I'm going to Come take on. it. And so it's, it's a rage in me to say, 
that kind of grace was moving too, though. It was just like, this mm. is beyond me. Um, and that's what it was, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the commemoration, the, the, the 1921 uh, commission here, you know, failed the city and handled us poorly, handled the people of the city poorly uh, with black faces at the helm. Um, and we know it's not those black mm-hmm. faces because mm-hmm. we don't know why they're at those jobs and they might just be feeding their family. So I dare not dig into some of the people who should mm-hmm. be accountable mm-hmm. and responsible. But like, you know, our senator is right there just with them bringing in or trying to bring in some of the biggest names there was and they wasn't having it. You know, like John Legend was coming, Stacey Abrams was coming. Mm. They're like, we're not coming. We're not coming for this. Mm. Um, This is not a celebration Mm. and y'all are not handling the people of this city properly. So that's what it was. Um, And that's what it is right now. It is. So it's it's heavy. But Mm. there's a... When I when you share that, Natalie, I just think about, you know, there's a there's a long tradition in the United States of asking uh, the enslaved Africans in this land to to dance when they should be weeping. Come on. And, you know, I immediately thought about a common tradition amongst enslaved, you know, amongst enslaved people that the celebration of Christmas was oftentimes, you know, this kind of pseudo toxic, perverse jubilee on slave plantations where enslaved people were given, you know, alcohol and food that they couldn't, wouldn't typically eat. Most enslaved people only had meat once a year in the United States. And yet they got all this food. And the reason why is because a lot of people around Christmas time were going to break. They were going to run. <laughs> they were heading to Canada. They were heading north. And it was a way to 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 medicate them, to sedate them. Mm-hmm. And when I see this, as you talked about that uh, commemoration, you can yeah. see people so close to being like, "Nope, we've had enough." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you can you see these forces at work saying, like, "We got these people that are weary and traumatized and tired, and they're going they're going to incur great risk yeah. to their yeah. body, to their mind. Let's see if we can entice them in this direction so they can get off mission." Of running north, of so running yes. to freedom. Yes. And that's just, yes. I think that's just important for us, all of us, to reflect on just what ways are we being satiated yes. when we really need to mm. be running towards freedom? You know, yes. it's risky. <laughs> running is risky to freedom. It is. Um, but, but just to look at the trick of the enemy sending out these things. Um, I want to talk about your, your, your vocation as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just the many, just, uh, the sensory means, the different disciplines. And I just want to hear the story of how, when I, when I think about that, I'm like, man, that not only are you talented, but I feel like there's a level of confidence there of like, let me just try this. Let me try that. How did that get cultivated yeah. in you to just be able to say, you know what? I'm going to do this visually. I'm going to do this with my voice. I'm going to write this poetry. Yeah. Talk about kind of the roots of you becoming an artist. Yeah. I, I think it's Tulsa. There's nothing to do in Tulsa mm. growing up but sports and <laughs> imagination. Um, and I think those things mm. worked in my favor. I, I was heavily into sports my entire life. However, I was also heavily into um, the arts just by way of exploration. My my cousin was an artist, and so he would introduce me to drawing and um, the skill of drawing at a very young age. And then my Uncle Wayman, the late Wayman Tisdale, he introduced mm. me to music at 14 um, as a way to get me on the right track, right? And so I've had access to these yeah. very concentrated creatives who 
are like, yo, I will pour into you. Here's a drum machine. Go make some beats. Here's paper. Here's pen. Um, and I, it just came, it's like one of those things where it's like, I woke up one day and it was there. It wasn't, the craft has gotten better because yeah. by way of practice, but I definitely think it was a gift. Um, the, the painting and the drawing was a gift, uh, discovered early on at maybe like eight and my mom just really nurtured it, um, made every way possible for me to study. So she would have me in art classes and, um, let me write all over the house and the walls and paint, you know, kids normally get beat for painting on the walls, but you know, my room was covered in a little bit of everything. And so I think I'm wired that way, uh, created that way. And so there's always a need for new expressions. And so for a long time, it was very hard for me to feel comfortable in being mm-hmm. a woman who is multi-talented because people are like, you ain't, you can't master everything. You only can be a master of one thing. And it's like, uh, to some degree, yes, but I don't think that's the case. And I think, um, I can't even stay in one space. Like I can't even just do music like for a year or two. Like my body literally will crave other outlets. So I've just leaned into it. And so I have myself on a creative schedule and some days are art days and some days are music days and some days are nature days and yoga days and experimental days. That's pretty much how it goes. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah. No, thank you. No, seriously, thank yeah, you for that. I love the way that girl freedom right there. I love that. Yeah, that, yeah. I love that you talked about a schedule. And first of all, I just want to talk about your. your I mean, I just want to say I love your portraiture. It's beautiful. I mean, Toni Morrison. You. She does some beautiful portraits. She does portraits of thank you. Oh, kinds of people but Toni Morrison of course is beloved yeah, at this yeah, table yeah. so I was like I'm just always floored when she drops a portrait I'm like this girl's good <laughs> just, it just, you're just so talented so gifted thank you I think so much it takes so much um, <laughs> courage and freedom mm-hmm. you know and liberty to be able to be like I'm gonna try something and just see if I'm gifted. And the Holy Ghost be like, yes, you all go, go, go. <laughs> and then you do this. And the Holy Ghost be like, go, go, go. Because listen, I could try drawing, but I'm telling is you. What the, is that what the Holy Ghost sound like? Yeah, Holy Ghost be like, go, go, go. go. Like, go, my child. That's what you hear in the family. But listen, oh, but listen I, go, oh, I go and do it. Holy Ghost be like, no, 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 my child. I got this. <laughs> Holy Ghost be like, I, you, you got this right here. So... <laughs> Oh yeah, but you know, you probably got you probably got your own gifts. You know, you probably loaded with gifts in your own way. That's true. I think mine just are loaded. I do. I got. I got some. I got some. No, listen, it's thin. Well, in the kitchen, it's thin. There's a lot of things. It's thin administratively. Yeah. Hey, hey, cook, cooking is art, though. Cooking is art. Cooking man. is yeah. art. I have no. I'm saying I have no cooking. Skip. Listen. <laughs> My grandmother was just over here looking That's at me right. like, gonna, you disgusting. We're going to let it play to the manifest. <laughs> Thank God grandma's there. I'm going to listen. No, no. We can't have everything. Everybody is a star, but we... we, we. Yes. we <laughs> drop it down. Disappointment to the older generation, that's for sure. That is I so know. funny. Natalie, you were talking about a creative schedule. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
This is <laughs> it's all good. Now you were talking about a creative schedule, which I thought was like, ah, oh, this is really profound. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about how you have created space in your life to where you can have maybe the um, the autonomy to have a creative schedule. How is it that you've been able to um, maybe draw like streams of, talk to our sisters at the table that are like, I have these passions and gifts, but how do I make money from it? How do I get, you know, at least a decent living to where I mm-hmm. can begin to explore these different passions and what that looks like? Because you are also a businesswoman too. So mm-hmm. can you talk to us about that? Sister, and we we yeah, gonna take some so, notes. <laughs> I will say this: that I do not think that like it is it is by far not easy. And I think that I have a level of privilege um, that I have, yeah, just in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, through community and through sure. people that I know that have literally dropped opportunities in my yeah. lap, not ones that I had to work for. Radical generosity wow. is how I've gotten to where yeah. I, I that is what I believe in. Radical generosity, and that is Beautiful. what has been extended to me. Um, early on, I went to school for graphics and web development. Totally. And so my formative, fresh out of college years was grind. I'm talking grind all day, grind all night. Um, and I'm not saying that that is what I would suggest. I'm saying that is what I did. Um, you know, spent a lot of yes. years perfecting my craft and I've always worked by myself. So I think the anxiety of not knowing where a check is going to come from, which happens to everybody when you first become a freelancer. Um, I experienced how to manage that level of anxiety and ebb and flow of income at a very young age. So I am very comfortable with long months of nothing and long months of great income. So Money management creates um, the space to go long periods of time working on your yeah. passion projects um, if you have the the flexibility to do that, right? I also don't have a, 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 a core family, meaning I don't have anybody that's making sure I got food on the table, food in the fridge. If sure. it ain't no food in the fridge, it's just me. Um, so that is a privilege to some degree that I think a lot of times we try to tell <laughs> That's true. women, yeah. just go out and quit your job. It's like, no, I am never telling nobody. I ain't never told nobody to quit their job because I worked as a web developer and writing mm-hmm. music for about five years at the same time. And I did not quit my job to do music professionally mm-hmm. until I was able to pay my bills and all of my... um any type of expenses with the money that I was bringing in from music. So I literally, even to this day, I'm not, I'm a full-time creative and, you know, I work for myself, but the projects that I take on are not always just fun and passion. Um, They, a lot of times I am taking on projects to set me up for another three years to do what I want to do. And so there has to be a level of discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. times creatives run from discipline That's true. because it's like the scary, scariest language. It's like, I don't, I don't need to, I can't do a schedule. I got to flow <laughs> off inspiration. It's like inspiration does not, to be a great creative does not necessarily yeah. require inspiration as much as it requires discipline because the discipline will carry you when the inspiration That's is not actually, mm-hmm. exactly. you know, present. And so, Absolutely. um, you know, seeking business advice, seeking financial education, um, and, and, and educating myself, asking for help. I don't think I knew I needed help until I lost. I lost so much money. I lost easily a hundred thousand dollars in business by not knowing and not having mentors 
And so now mm. I will, ask, I'm talking about, I will ask anybody like, Hey, can you show me how to do this? Can you teach me how to manage? Can you teach me how to be a better leader? Can you teach me how to take criticism better? Can you, I mean, I'm just asking for help as much as I can because I do not know. And in our community, it is scarce. Business mentors are scarce, um, especially in the tech Absolutely. field, in the creative arts field. We have great mentors around the arts at large, but not the business of arts and the business of um, creativity. And so, you know, managing it all, I, me and my, one of my business partners, KB, we run a distribution and supply company out in Florida, and he really handles the day-to-day and has built it. But um, having people around you that are better than you and um, where y'all share the same willingness to invest, because a lot of times people may not have the same amount of money but they may have the same work ethic and be able to invest sweat equity where yes. they don't have money. Um, so I think discipline mm-hmm. and team that even for creatives in business, I think it applies yeah. across the board. You can be an amazing creative. You don't have a strong team. Um, you, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to scale, have a sustainable career. Um, and then asking, yeah. saying, Hey, when people, wh- one thing I also realized is we don't want to ask we want we shoot ourselves in the foot and ask for numbers that are so low. I remember one of my Persian friends, I sent in an invoice and she was she laughed at it and she was like, Is this a joke? And she said, If I give this to my boss, he will never again take you seriously. And she said, Triple this invoice and then resend it. And so even us taking the time to understand the industry standards wow. of our particular industry. What is, the, what is the going rate for a graphic designer? What is the going rate for a podcast ad? What is wow. the going rate for an influencer social uh, media placement? Um, what does that look like based on your reach? How do you determine your reach? That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Educating yourself mm-hmm. and being responsible for mm-hmm. yourself, not waiting. Because a lot of times I feel like we just, we, we waiting on somebody to give us a check. And it's like, that's never happened. It's like, you got to go gotta get, go it. get it. And it's sad, but you do. We don't have the same advantages that white women have or white men or men. Um, mm-hmm. So there is more work on the mm-hmm. front end. And if you want to be a freelancer, you want to work for yourself, it is definitely mm-hmm. harder than working for anybody because you don't get to wake up and say, where's my check? You have to, somebody else is probably asking you, where's they check it? <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. So. Hey, come on. That that's a whole another thing. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Natalie. You ain't you had you ain't said nothing but the truth. <laughs> you ain't said nothing. We're like, yeah, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Top to bottom, we live on that street. We know yeah. it. We know it well. No, and and you know what? And and I think when you talked about discipline, right? What does it mean to combine? Um, you know, artistry with discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, discipline is not a punishment. Discipline, discipline is used to show that you take your artistry seriously, yeah. or whatever it is that you're putting out to the yes. world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so, man, we could, we all benefit from, you know, some expressions of discipline. That's really yeah. what it means to mature, um, and that's really a hallmark of what it means to be a believer. We have to have spiritual discipline. So. Mm-hmm. We gonna we gonna we gonna change the the tempo right now. Okay, as we okay. go to our clothes. Okay, and uh, it's time it's time it's time for some forced fun, Kimmy. What do you think about Ooh, that? Is it time for some forced fun? Although we do believe that we are fun, and it is 
fairly easy. Mm-hmm. It's fairly easy to have mm-hmm. fun at Tree's mm-hmm. table, I think. Mm-hmm. At least we at least we like ourselves. Let me just say that we think we're funny. Um, that's where it all starts. So so we got we got we got a couple questions for you, and we just okay. want you to give us your you know your your it is what it is. Honest. Why do I feel nervous? Okay. Like a wave um, of nervousness. So I, I'm gonna give. This gonna take some discipline. <laughs> Let's go take some discipline. Because, because we intense. That's why. Because <laughs> we make everybody nervous. Okay. Okay. You ready? You ready, girl? Come on. You ready? Okay. I got to remember, you know, I, you know, look, my, my memory is shaky. It can be. Okay. Wait, you okay, want me to get so the first one? Okay. The one I have for you. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you, yeah, you do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get the first one. Okay. Okay. No, I got it. the first go, one. Go. Okay. I got the first one. All right. Are you ready, Natalie? Are you ready? I am. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> Okay. All right. One gotta go. Whitney, Shaka, Aretha, Anita. One gotta go. One gotta go. Whitney, Shaka, Aretha, Anita. I'ma have to go and cut a little Shaka on yes. out. Shaka gotta go. Shaka got to go. Shaka be the one that be going. We love you, Shaka. You always welcome to the table. I'm <laughs> reading Rainbow theme song. <laughs> it got to go, though. You got to choose one. Yeah, that's you have to choose song. one. That was hard. <laughs> we're, not, we're not mad at you. We're not mad at you. We, we, we've had people make selections that, selections that we were much more judgmental of, by the way. Yeah, like somebody said, <laughs> Whitney had to go and be like, get off the show now. Like, <laughs> we had a close call. We, we had a close call. call. <laughs> Her reason was funny, though. We I had, was. We like, had, I mean, we not funny. Had to, we had to re. We had to recommit to our pledge of like, we love all black women. We love all black women. <laughs> yeah, not, nah. We don't have the right to take nobody black card. We don't have the right. <laughs> it was a mantra. Okay. Okay. Here, here, here is my question. The people, the people who do know me, they know that I do. I, as well as Michelle, we are sci-fi Marvel superhero type. Okay, people, okay. 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 <laughs> we, we, we are part of that world. So my, my, my question for you, Natalie Love, if, if you had a superpower, what would that power be and why? I want, I would want to be able to teleport, um, or time travel, time travel. Hmm. I would want the power of time travel. Um, I think that one, if I could escape, like if I did anything crazy in one time period and I could just escape to another time period, that is also what I would like to access. <laughs> but um, to yeah, to move to move throughout different time periods, I, I will I would want to be able to time travel. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think. That's cool. I like that. I think she's that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, listen, we can't can't grant it to you. It's okay. We can't give it to you. Right, right, right. (laughs) It's all good. And and you know, in in light of the weightiness of our conversation today, I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. I was like, oh, I bet she's going to be a time traveler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because the weight of the past was really, really heavy. Uh, yeah, and informing who you are. Okay, Kimmy, I think we got one more. Take it okay. away. Okay. So the last one is: if we were to get into your car, 
with masks because we are still in a pandemic. What will we be hearing playing in your stereo, in your radio, on your uh, Bluetooth, whatever? (laughs) So the crazy thing is like, I drive when I only have to. Um. Yeah. Right. So if you did get in my car and I was playing something, and I don't <laughs> even listen to music in the car, so you would probably be listening to <laughs> probably Eckhart Tolle. Oh, okay. Okay. So an audio book, audio book or podcast. Um. Yeah, it'll probably okay. be an audio book. But if I'm listening to music, you gonna not be music to in the car. Okay. Anita Baker, then she'll be playing. If anybody is playing, Anita's playing. Anita, yes. What? Yes. Yes. All right, Anita. All right. right. That's my girl. Listen, always, always to Anita. Hey. Love Anita. She's amazing. Yes. I think that's all the questions. Oh, wait. See, do you have another one? Mm, I think that's it. Okay, that's it. You did great, Natalie. You did. You oh, you made it through fourth one, baby girl. So, <laughs> I was you know, nervous. I was like, yo, I don't even know. You could talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, you did. You did great. You did great. Uh, now it's your turn. It's your turn to talk to the sisters at the table. Talk to them about how they can follow your work. Whatever you want them to know about. Uh, oh yes, the reparation. Every anything and everything you want them to know about. Talk to the sisters at the table. Okay, so nice. Um, well, by the time this comes out, Juneteenth will be over, but you can support um Justice for Greenwood at yeah. justiceforgreenwood.com. You can sign the petitions, you can find out if you're a descendant. You never know, you may have a long lost auntie, grandmama, cousin. Um, mm-hmm. and that's justiceforgreenwood.com. True. Obviously, educate yourselves as much as possible, not just around the history of Tulsa, but wherever you are from. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram at Natalie Lauren Sims. And uh, yeah, I have new music coming um, June 25th. And uh, yeah, just working on projects. And yeah, that's it. Yay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sitting at the table with us, Natalie. We really, really appreciated having you here with us. Um, it was an honor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Y'all are fun. You're so welcome. And of course, we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about Black Girl Magic interview with Natalie Lauren Sims using the hashtag Truth Table. And did y'all know that we have a Truth Table Black Women's Discipleship Group on Facebook? Make sure y'all go to Truth Table on, um, and to join, go to our Facebook page and join our Facebook group today. Answer the questions, okay? And then you'll be admitted into the group. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table and email us or email us your thoughts at info at truthtable.com. So we will see y'all soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all. We want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag Truce Table. Black women, did y'all know that we have our own Black Women's Discipleship Group on Facebook? Make sure to follow Truce Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls too. 
Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table, or email us your thoughts at info at truthstable.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account now, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truth Table is made possible by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. We have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.